0: welcome into the show this is yours truly daniel workman here on the daniel orman show it is 9 a.m on the east coast this is your 6 a.m west coast wake up call it is wednesday april the 17th and we are joined right here at the top of the show by none other than jonathan rednauer from the gulf coast premier league jonathan how's it going
1: How's it going, Daniel? Thank you for having me, man.
0: Thanks for coming on. Um, So, tell us, uh, you're you're getting ready for the season um, coming up, and what is your official role with the Gulf Coast Premier League?
1: So, with the Gulf Coast Premier League, I am the director of operations. I just make sure that everything is running smoothly, uh, making sure um, all the teams are prepped and ready to go. Every, they have everything that they need. Um, you know, just, just making sure that the, the league is able to take off and, and run as smoothly as possible.
0: So let's, um, let's go back to the beginning of this entire project. Uh, when did the Gulf, Gulf Coast Premier League uh, get off the ground? When, when was this idea hatched?
1: the idea probably stems back to probably early 2011-2012 um with with a conversation with my our current president Jeremy Poklimba um just discussing how in Louisiana we just have no outlet um for players beyond the age of 17-18 years old of course we would see a lot of U18 U19 teams created on the youth side and they would go off and play their state competition and regionals and Some may or may not go play college ball, but most in Louisiana, unfortunately, uh, go to LSU or or ULL, and their soccer careers uh, end quite soon. So we kind of were trying to figure a way to keep these players involved. Um, You know, Louisiana, unfortunately, is is sort of a black hole when it comes to soccer. Um, We're just not known for it. Football and basketball kind of dominate the state. Um, So it kind of derived from that, and then from there, I was able to get on the board at the Louisiana Soccer Association as the adult commissioner, and we were able to create the Louisiana Premier League, which started off with just five teams. Um, and it's kind of just blossomed from there. And in 2016 is when we were officially the Gulf Coast Premier League. Um, and here we are today in 2019 with 18 teams spanning from Austin, Texas to Tallahassee with the inclusion of, of bug eaters as well from from Nebraska who will be joining us next year. Uh, and there's a lot more to come
0: so before we before we jump into the um expansion and and bug eaters let's let's take a second and kind of talk through what is the the basic structure of the organization in excuse me in in terms of um you know the the league play when do you approximately start when do you approximately end your your seasons with the Gulf Coast Premier League
1: so we are we are a summer league um we started off as a, a fall winter league which was good for the time being but we we wanted to appeal more to the to again to the college kids or to the kids that are aspiring to play college um so we are a summer league that starts, uh, second weekend of May, which is usually when most of the NCAA players and NAIA players are eligible to play, and we end uh, usually the last weekend of July this year. I believe the finals will be on the 26th, um, but usually teams are, are getting going as early as, as February, March, starting to train, starting to get their rosters built, uh, scheduling friendlies, and, yep, that's that's basically our
0: time frame. So the the league itself how many games uh with 18 teams are they just for the audience are they all playing each other or are they split into conferences or regions how do you have the the split or set up for the 18 so we
2: currently have three conferences
1: we have a west conference we have a central and a east Uh, the west consists of six teams on the west side of our our makeup um being the austin team two Shreveport teams, two Lafayette teams, and our Alexandria team. And then Central, uh, both of our Jackson, Mississippi teams, both of our New Orleans teams, a uh, team from Covington, and our team from Baton Rouge. And then on the east side, uh, Tallahassee, Pensacola, both of our Mobile teams, Port City, who are our current champions, and new boys, uh, Hattiesburg. Um, so it's it's three conferences, and what we do is we basically just kind of do a double round robin inside of the conference. And from there, we take the top two uh, I guess the highest seeds in, the, in the both, uh, all three conferences, and then we have a playoff system um, set up to where there's uh, six teams that qualify. The first and second seed of the overall um, point system and goal differentials will have the bye. We'll go directly to the semifinals, and then we have it set up to where three will play six, four will play five, and the winners go on to play semis, and then on to the finals.
0: Now, this year, I know last year, the, the final was uh, held at a neutral site in Mobile, the uh, home stadium of AFC Mobile. Um, are there plans this year for uh, a neutral site final? And if so, where is it? Or is it going to be held at the home of the, the, the team with the highest uh, point total in the regular season?
1: so yeah we're gonna we're gonna this year we're gonna uh, award um kind of give an award to a uh, reward Je say the team that finishes with the highest uh points uh in the in the overall table will have the first go at it so say if the number one seed makes it all the way through to the final then they uh will basically be able to host and of course we're gonna have them send out you know uh i guess a a packet to you know meet the standards and everything and everything that's up to par so they're able to host and uh, yeah, we want to make sure that we're we're capturing uh, the local fans as much as possible. And I know last year we were in Mobile, and you know having teams from Port City or Gulfport and Lafayette come, and while we did a, a decent job, uh, it probably would have got a better, um, you know, better better viewership and more attend more attendance if it was in Gulfport or in Lafayette.
0: That makes sense, um, especially with with the the neutral site being you know more east than either team it's not as if they were even meeting in the middle um right so looking at um you know obviously where you've come from you you've you've been building started with five teams you you're now at i guess i I would say 18 and a half with bug eaters you know coming (laughs) in right um and and building and growing um What what are the plans going into 2020 with the bug eaters coming on board? Is that basically kind of a replication of the work with Gulf Coast Premier League under the Great Plains Premier League uh, banner? Um, Can you kind of give us some info on what that looks like going into next year?
1: And I know the, the Great Plains Premier League has, has come on the scene, and a lot of people were excited, and and, and we've kind of had to take a step back for a second to to really make sure that we're doing this correctly. So the Great Plains Premier League is basically going to be uh, replicated as as the Gulf Coast Premier League is, uh, but in the Bug Eaters region. And so I guess overall our, our mission is to kind of help facilitate and help create these regional models because me personally and, and so most of the board for for GSPO believe that the regional model at the amateur level um, is needed. We we need a little more cohesiveness when it comes to to local teams working together. Um, you know we see a lot of you know areas where there's three or four different teams that are in a PDL and PSL, UPSL, um, and it just it for us we're trying to figure out a way to where well, how come we can't get all of those teams just to play one model and and therefore we're not having to worry about other teams traveling so far when you have teams in your own backyard, we should be able to kind of all work together um, and work on the same page. So that's kind of where our, I guess, our, our ambition comes from is, is to kind of set up and create a regional model that will, again, attract uh, more of these, these areas to, to stay within their region um, and kind of build from there. I mean, you know, again, Gulf Coast Premier League came from the Louisiana Premier League, which was only five teams in Louisiana. And here we are now. Um, and I mean, we, I mean, I, Pretty much the the whole Gulf Coast area is is all GCPL. Uh, unfortunately, the Jets has had to, to fold, and, and the Louisiana uh, Streetport Raptors had to fold as well. So you know, other than Mississippi Bria, I mean, we are you know the only league um, that is set up down here, and it's and it's for a reason because again, our our model and our approach has always been let's let's make sure that our clubs are able to to sustain themselves without forcing them to pay high fees or forcing them to travel halfway across the country to play in a, a national championship. And, um, you know, each year our teams are able to come back and they're able to, you know, not have to, to break the bank just to, to play at the amateur level, which again for us is, is something that we, we truly value is, is making sure that our teams are, are sustainable because, um, it's a shame to watch teams come and go as quick as they do in certain leagues. And, um, we, you know, with the regional model, and that's kind of our, our approach is to make sure that there's sustainability with our clubs.
0: So the the footprint of the Gulf Coast Premier League is you, you do have a little bit of an outlier right now in Texas, but right. you have a heavy concentration of Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, a couple in Alabama, and then now you've got two in Florida. Um when you're looking at a regional league, do, have you guys kind of sat down and, and said, Okay, hey, here is kind of our you know, circle that we're looking at, our kind of boundary or, or um you know, distance from end to end when we're when we're setting up the the G C P L, when we're setting up the Great Plains Premier League, when we're having conversations with other clubs around the country. Um, have you guys had that conversation about what, what you're trying to build towards in that respect to to keep the travel down and uh, in, in, in keep clubs' uh, uh, operating expenses a, as affordable as possible?
1: Yes, yes. So we have spoken with other clubs from around the country, and, and they're very interested in kind of what we're doing with the Great Plains Premier League and um, they feel as though that that particular model and, and what the GCPL has done is is doable in their area. and So we have been talking with other groups, and, and we've been speaking with them carefully, making sure that we kind of understand exactly uh, the demographic of where they are and obviously the, the, the geography of where they are. And, you know, I, I personally like to go on Google Maps and kind of sit there and see, right, okay, which city is, is, you know, how far is this, what's the travel time, and, I kind of do that you know, every so often to where I can kind of get a better understanding of the landscape. And so, yeah, we have kind of sat down with the map and, and sat there and said, okay, this is the area that we want, and then we'll kind of keep it contained here. And, and so we've done that um, to an extent. Now, obviously, as we're continuing to talk into clubs and new, as new clubs continue to approach us, um, you know, it, it kind of changes here and there. But there is a, a kind of a blueprint set in place. Yes, we do have that. And um, we feel as though that it, it will be successful once we can kind of get it all off the ground
0: if if the the Gulf Coast Premier League and the Great Plains Premier League and other regional leagues like the Mountain premier League um and 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 others around the country are um building in in areas across the country um if if all of those leagues were on the same level of a pyramid you know obviously in the amateur space, there isn't a pyramid. Um, and, and you could actually say that we don't have a pyramid at all in U S soccer because the first, second, and third divisions are not connected. So we we don't really have, I, I don't really know what to call it, but it, I, I don't know that you can even call it a pyramid at this point, but if there was a pyramid and it was connected and, um, even if it was started out uh at this regional amateur league uh level as as a kind of first phase hey let's connect together horizontally all on the same level um how many l- regional leagues do you would would you foresee uh, coming together to to provide coverage for the country is it 32 is it 64 is it 16 kind of have you guys had any um, conversations internally about how many of these leagues, like the GCPL, are needed to to be able to provide access across the country?
1: Um, I think that's kind of a a very tricky question to answer, and a sense to where there's different levels of, of of clubs, you know, and and even in the GCPL, there's clubs that. We feel as though that are pretty much kind of pushing on our ceiling, and they're they're kind of wanting to, to spread their wings and fly, and we support that, and we and we try our best to to um, help them get there, and also bring the level up at the scale but without also forgetting, you know, the little guys that are that are trying to create something in a very hard market to do so. So when you kind of look at that in a sense, um, I do feel as though, and, and me personally, I've always enjoyed the Bundesliga setup um, all the way down into their regional. Regional League and and it's always been great to kind of look at their model and how they were able to over the years um, get to where they are. And so I do feel as though that yes, I think 16 regions in the U.S. Um, can be done at the at the Division Four, Division Five level. I personally feel as though that we need to get to a point where Division Four is a true semi-pro, to where we are actually paying players um, and and able to have a longer season. I feel that you know if we're going to have Division Three as as a pro setup and Division Two as a pro, um, Division Four needs to kind of be that outlier to where it is a a, a true semi-professional setup. And and I have seen a lot of um, I've, I guess I've monitored a lot of regional Liga teams and and kind of watch how they've grown. And I've spoken to a couple of the the owners and stuff. And it's very interesting how they have their their makeup there. And obviously Germany being a much more um, condensed population than the U.S., it's definitely very easy for them to kind of set up these regions and have multiple teams everywhere, whereas the U.S., we kind of have to be a little more careful of how we set this up. So, yes, um, I feel as though that 16 regions at the Division 4, Division 5 level is definitely good, but, again, you have to kind of monitor which teams are able to survive. So, in the Gulf Coast Premier League, overall, we'd like to get to a point to where the Gulf Coast Premier League, while it does have three conferences now, and say we do kind of have Texas have their own conference, which is something that we we want to um, implement soon enough. Um, so with Louisiana to Alabama and northern, you know, the, the Florida panhandle. I mean, we'd love to get to a point to where Pensacola is able to travel to Shreveport or, you know, Mobile is able to travel all the way to Lafayette. And it's not killing the expense. It's, it's you know, it's a higher level of play. But, again, we have to have also have to realize that, you know, maybe our teams out of Jackson or maybe teams out of Baton Rouge has to kind of continue to stay on a smaller scale. Um, so, yes, while the GCPL can get to a point to where it does have Six to eight teams that are traveling all within the GCPL, and then we still have our subregions, our you know our conferences for the I guess the level below that. I think that's something that needs to be kind of looked at, and that is where the question kind of gets tricky because in Florida it does look like there are teams that could probably already set up that model to where Florida can play um, from Miami to Jackson, uh, Jacksonville, and, and teams are set up like that. To whereas other areas, not so much. Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> it 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 does make sense, and and really, you know, I think that one of the the untold stories about lower division soccer in America is the the story of local viability, like figuring out how to make what you do work where you are, Correct. and um, it's 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 really, truly like. I think a lot of people that are involved in the game think in in an isolated mentality. In other words, it becomes insulated. It's soccer. Like I, this is a soccer club, but if you take a step back and realize that this is a this is a community organization. This is this is really no different than, you know, a, a restaurant or a fitness center or right. any other business. You've got to figure out your Local context, it's it's easy to dream big. I love to do it. I know a lot of people love to do it. We, we all love to think about what if and dream and, and and hey, w- what if we could do this and we could get 20,000 people and we were playing professional and this, that, and the other. But to get there, you've got to figure out the local part first, the, the, the context where you are, build up where you are. And, and figure out how to connect to your community and, and engage your community and, and be a part of your community in a, in a way where the community is experiencing as much as possible the, the best professionalism from your organization as possible. And that that goes down to the way that that fans or or supporters interact with the club, um, even parking on game days, the the match day experience, all of those yep. things uh, are important. And those are things that U.S. Soccer is never going to fix for you. Like you you're going to have to fix that. Even in an open system, no one's ever going to come in and teach you how to tie your shoes. You're going to have to figure that out. And Correct. And so I, the 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 thing I see across the country in lower division soccer is there are a lot of clubs who are you know woulda coulda shoulda wished things were better, hope things get better, but they they don't ever really look in the mirror and figure out hey what can we do right now to to be better today than we were yesterday. And, and, and if we can get to a place to where clubs in the GCPL, clubs in the Great Plains Premier League, uh, possibly a future um, Texas version of the GCPL and, and and so forth around the country, and these clubs begin to to not only enjoy the regional play, but be able to build the the quality level on the field and at the same time, the quality level off the field. I I think that when we, when we get to that place, I think there's a lot of doors that begin to open, including uh, extending the season, getting to a place where you, you do find teams that can begin to entertain, you know, uh, semi-professional and even have real aspirations of becoming fully professional because of the work that they are doing. You know, they're, they're right. at that point, they're bringing in 3, 4, 7,000 fans to a match. And, and, you know, I look at uh, a region of the country uh, in college sports, the SEC, and you look at the footprint from Texas all the way to the East Coast up to Kentucky, and you look at, at the, the teams and the, that play, the schools that are in this conference, I, I think down the road, you could see a collection of, say, you know, four, five, six of these regional uh, leagues come together at an even higher level with a footprint that would kind of mirror that SEC footprint and in, in see an incredible product on the field as well as off the field um, right. that could build and build right out of a league like the Gulf Coast Premier League.
1: That is correct that's kind of always been our I guess one of the the examples I I use is you know we live in SEC country when when you have and I mean you you live in and and you know southern Alabama so you've probably seen uh how crazy it is when it comes to college football in this area and and you know going to Baton Rouge for an LSU game day um especially when I mean they could be playing anybody but you know especially when they're playing the big dogs Alabama Auburn Ole Miss, I mean, that whole city is just uh, shut down. It's electric. Everybody's in their purple and gold. And, you know, even people that have never attended LSU are just completely, um, you know, just fans of, of, of that. I mean, because, again, it's a community-driven thing. It's something that LSU has done, and it's it's been here for quite some time. And the game day experience is, is uh, you know, I, I personally have always enjoyed myself when I went to LSU games. And I'm not really that big of a fan, but, you know, it just, it's something that, it's entertainment and people. That's that's what re- they really want, and it's community driven, and and it makes you feel like you know you're it's being represented, and you're. I mean LSU is representing all of Louisiana when they play, and that's how everybody feels. Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to get our teams to understand and try to replicate. Is that you know there has to be a community field, so there has to be something where somebody can go out there and say, I'm I'm proud of this team representing us. Um, you know, in England they have boroughs. You know, Ever- Everton and Liverpool literally. You know. A mile down a road from each other but you know there's it's it's just they're representing that part of, of town and it's been like that for quite some time and i think the u.s just hasn't tapped into that yet and i feel as though with the regional model um it's it's a better chance to start even if it's at a low grade scale which we are um over time 20 30 40 years yeah i mean there will be people afc mobile you know 20 30 year old afc mobile fans and i've been a fan since i was five years old and he's bleeding maroon and yellow you know so that's that's kind of where we we want to get to
0: so you you've got a a new team that is joining the league this year right there in the heart of New Orleans FC New Orleans and i saw uh news uh a couple weeks ago i believe where they had an exhibition match and right. had uh more than 1500 at the at the at the match is that correct
1: I was at the match and I would probably say knowing the size of the stadium and seeing the people it's. it's, it's I would probably say it's close to accurate
0: so that that club and that team uh, it, this is their first season in operation um, is that correct
1: this is their first year yes on the GCPO they, they've, they are a they have been for the last I would say two or three years a local club playing in the, in the Hispanic League and um, I think their owner just kind of Wanted to elevate um, not only the level of play on the field, but also I guess the game day experience, um, and so that's how we connected.
0: That is that's fantastic, and they they will be in the Central Conference, correct? Is that is that yes. right? So um, you have FC New Orleans that's come in. You you've got AFC Mobile. This will be their third year in the Gulf Coast Premier League. That is averaging around a thousand plus uh, for their attendance, um, and. And you, you've seen, obviously, your, your champion last year, Port City, um, drawing, uh, what, around 500? I, I think they average 500, yep. So th- there's obviously a lot of opportunity for growth in the league uh, at each club's stadium site in terms of attendance. But you, you see positive momentum there where the league is growing. It's... It, it's literally growing up before our eyes. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember the, uh, the Louisiana premier league. I, someone actually approached me um, years, several years ago before you guys became the Gulf coast premier league and, and said, Hey, you you should check, you should check these guys out. They're doing some really cool things. And so I just kept kind of watching uh, and, and observing to see what was going on. And, and then it became the Gulf coast premier league. And then, Obviously the AFC mobile guys uh, came together and jumped in and then and then last year the the Gulf Coast Rangers uh, football club from the mobile area jumped in as well and 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 now you've got a really good healthy rivalry right here um, in, yep. in in Mobile Alabama um, and and so seeing those kinds of progress seeing that kind that kind of progress take take form over the last few years and then kind of going forward next year with 2020 you're looking at the um you're you're looking at the the great plains premier league uh coming on board and um getting launched uh how quickly are you looking at other leagues like in texas or any other place
1: well Depending on depending on the interest, so so far we we have three other regions that that have reached out to us um, that have strong interest. Now it's only one or two clubs at the moment, and again, you know, our our approach has never been to I've never approached a, a different leagues teams. I it's not, I just feel as though that's not something um, I want to kind of open that can of worms. So if if a team approaches us, club approaches us, then then we're happy to talk to them and and you know make sure that what they're trying to achieve aligns with what we're trying to achieve as well. Um, so with that being said, there are, there are three other regions with, with two, one or two clubs in each of those regions that are very, very interested in creating something like the GSPL in their area. And we're, we're willing to help them. So, uh, depending on, I guess the, um, if we can find any further interest, cause again, I think six teams would be a great start for each region. It allows everybody to play at least 10 games. Um, that's kind of our goal. So gray Plains is, is our main focus uh, being that we have, we have a, a handful of clubs already kind of talking to and, and in the process. Um, but if, if we can expedite the, the other regions and, and start finding some other interested clubs that we're, you know, we're looking to align with, then I think we possibly could have four new regions um, starting next year.
0: That is fantastic. Um, in, in looking ahead on a macro level, with the country you 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 have the amateur space it's been a little bit well i i wouldn't say a little bit it has been a lot chaotic right um <laughs> you have you All have like herding cats yes it's uh you, you know I, I said this to someone the other day lower division soccer is lower division soccer because it acts like lower division soccer um yep. <laughs> and, and so the, the you know the biggest uh hurdle to me uh, in terms of progress is um you know doing the best that you can where you are like figuring out how to become more professional uh, within yourself obviously the structure of of American soccer is what it is it's not good and it needs to change there needs to be major reforms in, in the whole landscape of American soccer If we're looking at the amateur space, where do you think these regional leagues in the current kind of setup you have on a a national level, you have the NPSL and the UPSL that are kind of the two biggest brand names in terms of amateur soccer. You also have USL League 2 that's in that same space. Um, although I, I think they've been trying to kind of brand that in a way where they they they're at least from a branding perspective, marketing perspective, trying to present that as a semi-pro league. Um, right. Where do you where do you find these regional leagues like the Gulf Coast Premier League fitting in the current setup? At the same level as some of these UPSL or NPSL conferences? Above that level? Below that level? Kind of what are your thoughts in terms of where? the GCPL and other leagues like the great Plains premier league and and others fit in the current landscape?
1: Um, I guess I'll be biased. I'll say that we're pretty much on par. Um, but I'll I'll also take it, you know, I'm not going to be naive and and say that, um, you know, clubs like Chattanooga and and Detroit city have, have prospered and and really exploded in the NPSL model. And, you know, for us to say that we've achieved that we haven't. And, um, you know, credit to credit to MPSL for you know able to to create that model. And I know they started based off as a regional league, if I if I remember correctly, in California, and then they kind of grown into what they are as a national model now. Um, so when it comes to to where we are in that landscape, I'll, I'd like to say that we're on par, um, with a little caveat, I guess you would say, with with some of the bigger teams uh, such as the Cosmos and Detroit, and um, you know Chattanooga definitely being on another level, obviously with their their pro ambitions they they are on another level so um but when it comes to the level of play you know our, we've had a couple of our teams go out and play some npsl teams and um you know afc mobile has been quite ambitious uh playing against some of the the North, southeast npsl um teams and you know they they had a a rough go against uh, atlanta silverbacks i believe last year but you know showed fairly well against the Jessers. and then this year they they travel up to chattanooga so we'll see how they do um so i think the level of play on the field it's quite similar across the board being that we use a lot of our, our college guys and, um, you know, we're we're starting to see a lot of teams stack up with staff and the training schedules are starting to get a little more intense. And um, it, it's starting to become, you know, a, a routine now to where, you know, I guess uh, teams are taken a little more seriously on the field. So the level of play has definitely risen. And I feel as though that when it comes to the level of play, we're pretty much on par. Um, I would I would say we could throw GSPL teams into the MPSL, and they'll probably be Middle of the pack. Some may rise, some may fall, but I don't think it would be a complete blowout. Um, when it comes to off the field, sure, I think the the MPSL teams and, and League Two teams do a, a great job of marketing. And you know, if you look at some of those websites, some of their social media campaigns, I mean, they do a great job. They treat it professionally, and we're still kind of getting there. Again, we're very low budget, so working working towards that has has definitely been a challenge. But a lot of our teams have have stepped up to the challenge and have done a great job. And um, each year, we're starting to see a lot, you know, a lot more of our, our teams kind of take that challenge on, and um, we're starting to get up to par. So, moving forward to 2020, as we start accepting new teams, it will kind of be a little more uh, seclusive. Or, you know, there'll definitely be a more of a vetting process, making sure that these these clubs are set up not only on the field but off the field and, and professionally ran. So, by 2020, I'd like to say that we are completely on par with with the rest of the national model.
0: And and obviously part of that vetting process is is figuring out that each organization can kind of meet league minimum standards, correct? Right. That's correct. So I I really I really like where where you guys are going. I love the work that you're doing. Um I think that the the Gulf Coast Premier League leading into the Great Plains Premier League and, and other leagues around the country is is really um a a place in American soccer where we can see some real, real positive growth here over the next five years. um, As these leagues continue to grow, continue to elevate their own operations uh, and the clubs themselves, raise their own uh, standards and levels locally where they are. Jonathan, keep up the great work uh, with the Gulf Coast Premier League. You guys are doing uh, great stuff. And um, I'm really, really happy that uh, you were able to join the show today. And as we get closer to the season, I uh, look forward to having you back on to kind of talk about some of the upcoming matchups.
1: Sure. That's great. I really appreciate you, you know, having me on and I, and I love what you're doing with the show and, and, and look forward to, to seeing how this, uh, this whole project takes off again. Um, it, it all, we'll all get there if we work together. And I think what you're doing is, is something that um, is very much so needed in the American soccer landscape. So,
0: to you. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for joining the show and uh, look forward to having you on soon. Thank you,
2: Daniel. my right,
0: That was Jonathan Rednauer from the Gulf Coast Premier League. I'd like to thank Jonathan for coming on the show. Uh, he is uh, doing some great things along with everyone else at the Gulf Coast Premier League. And um, the, it is exciting to see uh, organizations ...figure out how to to elevate soccer in their area. And they're taking it uh, on themselves. They're rolling up their own sleeves and making stuff happen, and it's incredible. So, um, like the Gulf Coast Premier League, Charity Water has been doing the same thing for over 10 years. Rolling up their sleeves, getting their hands dirty, delivering clean water to people across the world in changing their lives. If you don't know about charity water, check them out at charitywater.org. We'll be back in just
2: a little bit of a a little bit of 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 a little in Glasgow, but I didn't know that I saw you to watch him teacher, I'm an engineer. I, am pilot. I want to be your pilot. Obviously, my least one. I want to be nurse.
0: All right, welcome back to The Daniel Werbis Show. This is yours truly, Daniel Wertman. I'd like to thank Jonathan Radnauer for joining us from the Gulf Coast Premier League. They are doing incredible things and uh, really, really excited about some of the things that, uh, that are coming down the pipe here uh, this season, next season, going forward. What they are doing is, is really necessary. And... Um, you know, innovation happens in in areas where it it is allowed to thrive. And at the lowest levels of American soccer, it is a mess. It is very chaotic. There is there is very little structure and and, and so the hard work is figuring out how to connect leagues together horizontally and and also vertically. Where you have a a promotion relegation um, arrangement between leagues at say, Division three, Division four, division five, division one, et cetera. that that whole vertical up and down movement. But there's also a lot of work that has to be done at the at the regional level, at the lowest levels of American soccer. And that 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 work has to be um, uh, horizontal, meaning, that the the work is 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 taking place at the same level of the pyramid so it's not enough for the gulf coast premier league to do a good job they need 15 or if there was 32 they would need 31 other regional leagues to be doing a good job too and connect it together horizontally at the with with the same type of standards this the same type of aspirations and then also vertically with the leagues that they are trying to connect with. What happens in an open system is clubs that, that operate in an open system are prepared to go up or prepared to go down based on the leagues that they are in. So when you are operating in an open system, if you are a club in the Gulf Coast Premier League, you are being prepped by the the standards of that league for life after that league when you through your own sporting merit through your success on the field moved your way up the pyramid and that this is the area within the amateur space that is very chaotic there is no direction no leadership there and so a lot of these leagues, like the Gulf Coast Premier League, are having to figure it out for themselves. They are having to sort out some of the, the issues by themselves. U.S. soccer is not helping them. U.S. adult soccer is not helping them. They are really have been kind of left unto themselves to figure this thing out. And with that come, it comes opportunity. It also comes some problems that you have to solve. And... The more that leagues like the Gulf Coast Premier League view those problems as opportunities and figure out those solutions, the quicker we will get to a a place where we minimize some of the chaos and instead create some of the structure in the system that is necessary. In order to get the change at the top of US soccer in terms of league play at professional, semi-professional levels, In order to get promotion and relegation, it's going to take a multifaceted effort. It's going to take not only some of the legal challenges and some of of the the court cases that are underway, it's going to take uh, pressure from the public. It's going to take um, the media covering the sport in a way that highlights the issues and talks about things in a very authentic way that says, hey, here's where we're doing well, here's where we're not doing things very well. And it's also going to take these clubs and leagues organizing themselves and and making what they do where they are the best that it can be. And as they do that, as they build up, they will be able to also provide pressure from the bottom. I am a both and person when it comes to system reform. I don't see a magic bullet. I don't think there is only one way to fix things. I think in every scenario, if if you only think of things as 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 a magic pill or a magic solution, if this one thing works out, I I still see a lot of issues. That's why I am a both and or or an everything and type of of person when I look at system reform here in U.S. soccer because. Even if you win a legal challenge, you still don't have structure in the lower leagues. If you structure the lower leagues, you don't have opportunity at the highest level right now. If you are a Chattanooga in Detroit and you are building yourself up in your communities over these last five years, 10 years, you are reaching a glass ceiling. There is certain limitations that when you build to a certain level that you cannot get beyond. And and that is certainly the case. And those things need to be corrected. They are, the, the, the rules that are in place are wrong. They do not favor independent clubs. They do not follow FIFA compliance. And they are not written from the standpoint of opportunity for every club in America. The federation should not be picking winners and losers. They should be picking a system that makes clubs the chief focus of its system. And an open system does that better than anything else in the world. It allows the clubs to build where they are as big as they can be and reach the level that they can reach on their own and let whatever happens on the field... Prepare them for life in the next league and work their way as far and as high and as ambitious as they possibly can. And if they fail, they fail. It's life. It's just like any other business in the world. If you do a good job, you get rewarded, you have profits, you grow, you build. If you don't, you go out of business. That's how clubs should Be allowed to operate right now. That's not the case. You can build, you can grow, you can reach a glass ceiling, and then you, for no fault of your own, are not allowed in to the gentleman's club. You are not allowed in to the top levels of the U.S. soccer system, and that is the issue at hand on the highest levels. But at the same time, even if you fix that issue and you have not fixed the lower leagues and the lower leagues have not figured out how to do what they do better and figured out as clubs how to do what they do better, then even if you unveil an open system from U.S. Soccer and you say, here are the regional competitions, here is everything In terms of a pathway for a club, a player, a coach, we are allowing everyone in by your own merit, go and get it done. If you have not already been working to build up your level of professionalism as an operation, as a club, as an organization, you are going to be ill-prepared to take advantage of those opportunities. And so building at the bottom, building in the middle, building at the top, legal pressures, other campaigns like the letter that Chris Kessel and I have been uh, working on is is necessary to create change in this country. It, it's necessary to create reform. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you are a club or an organization here in America and you want to see every club have an opportunity to reach for the stars, you should go check out this letter it's at wrk.mn forward slash letter we've seen more than 300 clubs and organizations sign on to this letter that's basically asking for a conversation with u.s soccer to begin surrounding the implementation of promotion and relegation as required by fifa fifa requires the 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 entry into a league to be based on sporting merit meaning your your quality of play on the field. Your record is what your record is. And if you win, you move up. If you're really, really, really bad, you go down. And in that system gives access and opportunity to every club, no matter where you're from. You might be in Boise, Idaho. You, you might be in Cheyenne, Wyoming. You might be in Denver, Colorado. You may be in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Knoxville, Tennessee. It doesn't matter. The system doesn't care. It it Instead, what the system does is provides a pathway and an opportunity for every club in America to work their way to the top. So if you have a chance and you haven't read it and you haven't signed it, please go to wrk.mn forward slash letter and you can learn more about that and sign on as a club. We are continuing to grow that campaign and it is it is incredible to see the the growth and momentum as clubs around the country are coming together and that's the key coming together to make a difference to build up american soccer the the path forward for american soccer is a path of unity it is a path of coming together for far too long u.s soccer has been segmented it has been segregated and and everything has been siloed in other words there they're, the adults the youth the professionals have all been split apart and they have been stratified and by doing so there was that that effort was done for for govern, governance purposes uh, efforts to to try to address certain constituencies etc but when when US soccer went down that path of segregation and segmentation what happened as a result of that was was much more destructive than any problem they could ever solve because the the result of segmentation the result of 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 splitting apart adult amateur youth professional soccer and other organizations and other constituencies within u.s soccer by segmenting them into separate things now you have split necessary things apart. We have told a generation of clubs who have been founded that it's okay and it's actually preferable if you start your club as a single team with no generational mentality, meaning I'm going to start an adult amateur team and I'm going to try to build that thing and, and I'm not going to have any youth component. What we are doing when we when we have taught ownership groups and supporter groups that this is okay and this is the way to build a club, what we have what we have done is is taught them the wrong definition of a club. A club is generational and it is it is also local. it is it is something that that every family that is a member of that club, It's it's a part of the fabric of their family life, their family culture. It is part of who they are. It's part of their identity. It's part of what they are about. It's something that they are proud of. And when we divorce that, when we separate out youth and we separate out adults and we segment everything and we say, look, you are off on your own or you are off on your own over here. You do your thing. You do your thing and and you stay separate when that happens we run into issues of, of several, s- several categories. For example, one issue is attendance. If you were a club and you've got a handful of people working in the front office trying to build this club and you have a single team, but you don't have any youth component, you are missing out on a built-in fan base that would happen if you had a youth component. Keep in mind that in American soccer, because of the segmentation, because of the segregation that U.S. soccer has put in place, the result of that system is that youth soccer is the biggest soccer piece of this industry in America. It is a $5 billion plus year soccer economy, youth soccer. Major League Soccer does less than $1 billion per year. So the youth, the youth space is a much bigger financial beast than our top professional league. So when we look at how we are structured, what we have done is we have pulled away resources, redirected resources in our communities Away from healthy organizations, meaning a first team for men and women and youth teams and having one organization, one club that that serves its members from youth all the way up to adult and bringing with that the ability to leverage that collective in the best possible way from a commercial standpoint, from an attendance standpoint and just from a community impact standpoint. And instead, we've separated all of these things out, and as a result, we, we have underperformance, we have missed opportunity, we are not reaching our potential, and we've created unnecessary politics in our local soccer markets. Unnecessary issues that should not exist just because we have segmented and segregated out all of these clubs. And this is this is a piece that's got to change. It's got to get better. We have got to figure out on a regional level with our adult amateur leagues and as well in our youth space how we can begin to come together, how we can connect, how we can become healthy clubs healthy leagues when we do that the area that 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 exists at the grassroots becomes a lot less chaotic life becomes easier from the standpoint of you're not fighting unnecessary battles some of the 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 issues that you run into now uh, would not necessarily exist in an open system if everything was set up properly Instead, your focus would be on the field. You would be trying to figure out how can we do what we do better? How can we take the next step so that our club, whether it's at the, the, the first team level, at the reserve team level, or within our youth teams, how can we do what we do better? And by doing that, by having the focus back on that area, now we're, we are improving the product on the field because we get the focus back to where it should be We're not freaking out about unnecessary rule changes or this Development Academy program versus this ECNL program versus this Adult Amateur League versus this Adult Amateur League is regional, is national, but regional conference. Is is this set up better? Instead, everything becomes back to the the focus of on-the-field product and on-the-field development. And, And at the same time, your off the field work then is focused on making your club better preparing your club for life at the next level whatever that may be it may be playing at a higher level within the same league the next year it may be getting your club back up to where it was before or it may be enjoying life in a new league at a higher level and and with a a bigger um regional reach. Who knows? But the opportunities then are are happening for individual and independent clubs rather than the chaos that we are living through now. So as 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 we see these projects like the Gulf Coast Premier League continue to grow, my hope is that clubs around the country will look within themselves and to their, fellow clubs in their areas and figure out ways to unite to come together even if they're currently in other leagues right now maybe there's 3 or 4 clubs in a within an hour that are all in separate leagues maybe you can figure out a way to come together and start to to bring some sanity to the chaos and form up better regional leagues like the Gulf Coast Premier League and elevate things at the bottom uh, levels of the pyramid, at the grassroots level, so that we can then also, at the same time these other challenges are taking place, see pressure really, really start to form and, and build um, with U.S. soccer having serious conversations about promotion and relegation. I've said it before, and I will say it again. If we had 50 um, Chattanoogas and Detroits around the country that we're building the same way that Chattanooga and Detroit have built. They are anomalies right now. But if we had those clubs around the country, we would be having a very different conversation about promotion and relegation, open access and opportunity for clubs. That's a fact, and until we get there, some of the blame, even though we may not like it, some of the blame is on us. And so we've got to do a better job where we are and at the same time, come together, work together, and help U.S. soccer see that there is a better path forward. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for tuning into the show. As always, we are live at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Every day, you can find the show at danielworkman.com. And um, again, I'd like to thank Jonathan Rednauer for for coming on the show, for, uh, for, for bringing his, his insight into um, what is, uh, is, is going on in the Premier League, it is um, in, in the Gulf Coast Premier League, it is it's really, really cool to see the work that they're doing. So uh, if you don't know anything about them, find them at GCPL Soccer on Twitter and, and learn more about them. It's really, really great the work they're doing. So until tomorrow, see you next time.